Welcome to First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. So uh, we have four passages today um, of scripture. Um, the first one comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's one that you've heard the last few weeks a number of times. It's Galatians 5, through 23. And it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. The next one comes from 2 Peter 1, 5 through 6, and it says, This is why you must make every effort to add moral excellence to your faith, and to moral excellence, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, endurance, and to endurance, godliness. And then Matthew 5, 5, Happy are people who are humble, because they will inherit the earth. And then Matthew 25, 19 through 21. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional coins. He said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Excellent. You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. If you would, please pray with me. Lord God, we just ask you to open our hearts to the ways in which you offer us your love and your presence. Help us to be truly believe in the wondrous ways that you work in our lives. Give us hearts and spirits to serve you. Help to cultivate in us the work of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today is our concluding sermon in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a list of attributes that um, Paul provides in his letter to the Galatians that are meant to help us know who we are supposed to be, who we were made to be. They are attributes that really, they, they describe God. And since we are created in the image of God, they're attributes that we also ought to exhibit in the way that we are living because they are what we were created to be. And the goal of this series is really to help ingrain in us um, what we are meant to be and to help us to allow the Spirit to begin to cultivate those uh, attributes in ourselves. So again, the fruits of the Spirit include love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So part of my goal here is to help you guys to get these memorized. Um, So if you haven't figured it out, you don't quite have them yet, keep working at it. Um, Because part of um, being able to accomplish this is to know what the goal is, right? If we don't know what we're striving for, um, it's pretty hard to meet that mark and to hit that mark. Um, So we've been taking three at a time um, over the last three weeks. So today we have the last three we're going to be looking at, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and we're going to begin today with faithfulness. Um, the Greek word that is translated faithfulness is pistias, and it means either faith or faithfulness. So depending on how it's translated, it really can mean um, slightly different things in our lives. So when we translate it faith, it infers not just like a mental belief in something, like I believe in God, I have faith in God, um, but it means to have a deep trust in something. 
So in the con- uh, Christian context, it is not just belief in God, but to have this deep trust in God that um, you are relying on God, that you believe that God's promises are going to be true so deeply that you depend on them in the way that you live your daily life. So a faithful person can put trust in God, but it's not only trust in God, but it's this idea that you are counting on God. So James, in his second chapter, verse 19, says this, It's good that you believe that God is one. Ha! Even the demons believe this, and they tremble with fear. Right? People often believe um, that believing in God is equating to being a Christian. But James is saying even the demons believe that there's a God. Right? And so being a Christian is more than just believing. It's trusting, and trusting means that you're living faithfully towards God, even when it seems contradictory to everything that the world might tell you. Because you fully trust in God and love God and believe that God desires the best for you and for all of creation, you choose to live differently than what the world tells you. Then there's a second sense of um, this word pistius, which is faithfulness. So it isn't just to trust God, but it's also our ability to be trustworthy, to um, allow others to have trust and confidence in us, right, that we actually exhibit faithfulness um, to one another in the way that we live our life. It's our ability um, to be integrous and have character, that we keep our word and that we follow through on our promises. So James goes on to say in the 26th um, verse of that second chapter, As the lifeless body is dead, so faith without action is dead. Right? There's not just a belief, but that the way we live out our own lives need to reflect the faith that we have in God through our own faithfulness to God and one another. So trusting God is good but living faithfully towards God and one another, embodying the character of God, includes demonstrating faithfulness. So in Matthew 25, Jesus is telling this parable of the valuable coin. And in the parable, there is a man who's about to go on a long journey. And before he leaves, he divides his assets um, to his servants. He has three servants. One of them he gives five coins to, one two coins to, and the last servant one coin. And when he returns, the first two servants doubled their money, right? So the one that had five now had ten. The one that had two now had four. And the master is pleased with him, and he said, you are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little I'll put you in charge of much. Come and celebrate with me. But the last servant, instead of investing the money, buried the coin in the ground for safekeeping. And when the man sees that he has done nothing with what he was given, he becomes furious. Right? Faithfulness is more than just sitting on the sidelines. It's investing what we've been given and God has entrusted us with talents and gifts to be used in order to serve God, to transform the world into the place that it was created to be. And we are to be investing those gifts. And when we do, we demonstrate our faithfulness to God. Right? It's greater than just belief. It's trust. And trust means that we're depending on God. And our character is such that we live as someone who is trustworthy. 
and to use what we have for God's purposes. All right, the second um, fruit of the Spirit we're going to look at today is gentleness. And the Greek word that Paul uses here is prowatis, um, which means like humility or meekness or often translated gentleness. And this word, it's a little bit difficult to define because there's not really an equivalent English word um, for this Greek word. Um, And so it's often misconstrued. Sometimes it's translated meekness. um, But I think often when we think of meekness, we think of someone who is cowardice um, or weak. Um, But proudness doesn't mean either of of these things. There's a sense of strength um, in your character, even in the midst of the gentleness. So in the CEB, it translates that gentleness. um, And it refers to really gentleness of our conduct, the way that we act. Especially when a person has power over someone else and acts otherwise. So there's a sense of underlying strength um, that undergirds this gentle character. For example, if you chose to forgive somebody um, that you have power over some, in some way, right? Sometimes um, I think it's easier for us to forgive somebody when there's something for us to get out of it, right? Maybe somebody has power over us in some way. It's advantageous for us to extend forgiveness because it will benefit us in the long run. But it's this kind of forgiveness that even when we have power over somebody else, that we still choose to show this sort of gentleness and to extend forgiveness. Um, the word doesn't, uh, word describes, right, this character that is this balance between strength and gentleness sort of perfectly combined. It doesn't mean that we just let people walk over us and do whatever we want, um, but it also is this sense of grace and forgiveness and love that we show people. Aristotle had this to say about the word um, prowess. He said this, It's the ability to bear reproaches and slights with moderation, and to not embark on revenge quickly, and not to be easily provoked to anger, but to be free from bitterness and contentiousness, having tranquility and stability in the spirit. But he goes on to say that this doesn't imply that we should never be angry if we are a gentle person. He, he says this about it. He says, Indeed, a man who displays prowess is angry on the right grounds, against the right persons, at the right, right manner, and at the right moment, and at the right length of time. It's not easy, is it? But we find this same Greek word throughout Scripture. We find it in the Beatitudes. Right? It says, Happy are people who are humble. Right? So here, that same word, um, instead of being translated gentleness, is translated humble, because they will inherit the earth. Jesus uses prowess to describe himself in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all of you who are struggling and hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn for you, from me. I am gentle and humble. Right, That gentle and humble is the same word and you will find rest for yourself. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. We see Jesus demonstrating prowess in his trial and on the cross, right? People are hurtling insults and accusations at him, but he doesn't lose his temper. Instead, he engages them in conversation. 
right? And at no point in those interactions was Jesus weak or cowardness, but quite the contrary. One who is walking by the Spirit, right, is going to be a gentle person, even in the most trying circumstances. Not because they're weak and cowardice, but because out of strength they are able to be humble and control their behavior. I think so today, so much of what we hear is anything but gentleness. Much of the discourse in this country is characterized by bickering and mudslinging, particularly in our political sphere. It's anything but um, gentle in um, having humility. It is, in many cases, you know, shutting down any ability to have discourse and for one another to listen and to really understand where the other person is coming from, right? We have politicians who don't seem to hear what the other side is saying, and it sort of just trickles down to us where we, you know, defriend and are no longer able to communicate with people who don't vote the same as us. I think the political sphere has divided our country Right? And it's characterized by pride and anger rather than gentleness. On the left, we sort of have this mean-spirited wokeness. Right? right? If you don't ascribe to my beliefs, then you're sort of an uninformed Neanderthal. And on the right, you have this judgmental moralism that is just as mean. Right? In the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton sort of epitomized this mean-spiritedness when she said half of Donald Trump's supporters belong in a basket of deplorables characterized by racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, and Islamic-phobic views. And in 2020 election, Trump's campaign sent out a survey in which people were asked to choose whether they're American or Democrat. Right? It's harder and harder, I think, for us to stand in the middle And try to evaluate and understand one another, right? When you do that, it feels like you get beat up by both sides that, right, you don't have any friends. You have to pick your tribe nowadays. And we're filled with this pride and anger with one another instead of this gentleness of spirit. And it prevents us from having any meaningful conversation. And the divide between us becomes deeper and deeper. The last fruit of the spirit is self-control. And the Greek word is inkartia, and it means sort of power over yourself, right? Power over your passions and your instincts, um, self-control or self-mastery. And typically, um, we need to be able to demonstrate inkartia, right, when we're faced with something that we don't like. Most of us have pretty good self-control when, you know, it comes to the things that, when things are going the way that we hope. Right? When we're not faced with adversity, when we don't struggle, right? we don't really have problems being in control. It's when we're displeased or angered or disappointment, disappointed or when we can't have something that we want or um, we, can't, we know we shouldn't have and yet we still want to divulge into it. Right? That's when we struggle with self-control. And we all struggle with it. It's maybe one of the more, more difficult fruits of the Spirit. 
As a society, some of the ways that people struggle with self-control is alcoholic consumption. Um, this week in M Live, they had an article telling liquor sales in the state of Michigan for 2020, and it was tallied for the state and then by each county and what stores sold the most alcohol. And in 2020, there was $1.8 billion spent in Michigan in alcohol. Um, $300 million more than in 2019, which follows a trend that I think we've seen um, across the country as this pandemic has hit, that people are consuming more and more alcohol. (coughs) Excuse me. Isabella County was ranked 28 out of the 83 counties in Michigan for alcohol sales. $8.74 million of um, alcohol sales. Meyer is our biggest uh, alcohol sale um, in our county, if you wanted to know. But the thing is, approximately 95,000 people die from alcohol-related causes each year in the United States, making it the third leading preventable cause of death in the United States. Um, drug overdoses and that like inability to control drug ad- abuse um, is just behind Right? All of these are issues of self-control. I mean, sex is another one. I was um, stunned to see that 35% of all the internet downloads are related to pornography. That is like stunning to me. Because I download a lot of stuff and none of it is pornography. <laughs> so people have to be downloading a lot of pornography for 35% of it to be pornography. Right? And ultimately it's a sense of lack of self-control. And it leads to practicing sex in harmful ways. And ultimately, it leads to unhealthy and broken relationships with others. Right? Anger is, I think, an area that many of us struggle with in self-control. Um, it ties back into the um, fruit of the spirit of gentleness, right? Like we have to be able to control our anger to be that gentle spirit. And I think we see that with all of these fruits of the spirit, that they're so connected with one another. Food is one that almost all of us struggle with, right? 42% of Americans are obese, and 74% of us are either obese or overweight. You know, even though we know that there are over 60 chronic health problems with being um, overweight or obese, right? And it impacts not only our physical health, but for many of us, our emotional and our spiritual health, too. Right? We struggle with self-control. And there are some things that we can do that helps us to have self-control. But like all of these fruits of the Spirit, we can't do it by ourselves. Paul states in Galatians 5.16, Be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. Because if it's left to us, we're always going to do the things that we know that we shouldn't do. But we do anyway. Right? The things that are easy, the things that feel good in the moment, the things that make us feel like in some way we're being rewarded in that split second, even if there's consequences down the road. The things that we want and desire, but we know aren't good for us. And the things that cost us or others. We have to cultivate in ourselves an environment where the Holy Spirit can work in our lives where we open ourselves to how the Spirit is moving and making us the you that we were meant to be. So some of the ways that you can cultivate the Spirit, we've been saying this over the three weeks, is joining us in worship. 
You know, through the worship songs and the lyrics, the Spirit is speaking through you, through the reading of the Scripture, through the sermons, through the time of prayer. Prayer is another powerful way in which we can center ourselves and listen for the Spirit and cultivate in ourselves the work of the Spirit. Studying scripture, whether it's alone or together, I'm always a fan of both. I think we need that time when we spend time alone with God, but we also need that time when we're spending um, time studying the word of God uh, with others, because I think it's so easy for us to begin to make the word of God say what we want it to say. And so we need other folks to come in and help us see other sides of what that scripture might be saying. We cultivate the Spirit when we serve God and when we're generous with our time and our talents and our gifts. And when we do that, the Spirit is able to be cultivate in us love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control so that we can be the person that we are created to be. So statistically, people say that by um, the second week of February, 80% of people have dropped their New Year's resolutions. Um, Another um, research by Strava um, coined January 19th Quitter's Day. They determined that by that day, most people are likely to have given up on their New Year's resolution. So today is the 16th. You only have three more days before we hit Quitter's Day. So my hope is that you won't be a quitter in trying to embody the fruits of the Spirit throughout 2022. That it is a goal that you will keep longer than for three more days. So some of the ways that they say that you can do this is one, to have a measurable goal. I think it's easy for us to say, yes, we need to embody the fruit of the Spirit more. And then nothing comes of it because there's no like measurable goal of how you're going to do that. So we've given some suggestions throughout the weeks, like maybe it's practicing patience by putting yourself in situations where you have to be more patient. Maybe it's letting someone go in front of you in line so that you have to wait a little longer and to be patient. Or maybe it's actually scheduling into your calendar some wiggle room in your schedule so that if there are interruptions, it doesn't feel so stressful and you can be more patient. Right? Tangible, measurable things that you can do and that can be your goal. Maybe it's saying, once a day, I'm going to do a random act of kindness, and that's your goal. So pick maybe just one fruit of the Spirit that you think you need the, the most work on, right? And make some kind of measurable goal on how you're going to improve in that area. Um, the other is to piggyback on existing habits. So if you can tie that into something that you already do, um, you know, maybe you go and get coffee at Starbucks every day and um, you wait in line. So every morning you're going to let one person go in front of you in line so you can practice your patience. Like something that is, um, can be worked into existing habits that you already have. Um, The next is to engineer your environment. Um, So maybe part of what you need to do is just to spend more time with God. And so your goal is to spend more time reading the Bible so you can cultivate that environment in you for the Holy Spirit to work. So 
engineer your environment to make that more possible. Like, right, actually get your Bible out of the dusty drawer um, and put it on your nightstand where you see it in the morning or in the evening so you can read it. Or maybe it's putting it in the kitchen counter so it's like right in front of you um, throughout the day. Or maybe if you ascribe to what many in my family ascribe to growing up, that the bathroom is actually the library, you put it right there by the toilet so you have something to read while you're doing your thing, right? Like engineer your environment for success. And then actively measure your progress. Uh, Maybe it's keeping a little journal about all the ways that you showed kindness, right? Or maybe it's a journal that not only the ways that you've shown kindness, but maybe the places that you failed so that you can begin to recognize the places that are weaknesses for you so you can head them off before they happen. And lastly, is to just have grace for yourself. (laughs) We all miss the mark, and none of us are perfect. The hope is that through this process, we're working to be the person that we're meant to be. Because none of us are there yet. We all need to work on it and allow the Spirit to work in us. Because God knows we can't do it on our own. So if you would, please pray with me. God, thank you for everything. We love and we praise you and we thank you for your saving love and grace. Help us to follow you and to live for you. And Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would fill us and form us and shape us and help us to develop in the fruits of the Spirit, in love and in peace and joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen.